Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me and I've literally just opened the BBC News app and the first thing I've discovered this morning is that a large asteroid big enough to actually destroy a city will fly in between the Earth and the Moon today and literally who knew? So that was quite a, a sobering thing to wake up to. Um, but apart from that, everything seems to be well. Uh, I'm going to get very wet when I go for a run. Uh, but before we get to that, I've got to do this. So let's start this by having a little bit of that twangy guitar. <laughs> One of the great joys of walking uh, and getting out and walking is the things that you find that you don't know that they were there. Uh, and I've mentioned this a couple of times when I've been walking, running of things that I've seen and doors and little sort of ginnels and alleyways and all these little things that you just find, you know, covered in, in, in overgrowth and what have you. But uh, today I, I went to, to Sheffield um, to see my dad and uh, instead of driving up to the hospital, up to the Hallamshire, um, I parked at Middlewood, and which is where the park and ride uh, terminal is for the tram, and took the tram in, and then decided I would walk back because it was about the right length for a walk. So I was going to be able to cover sort of four, four and a half miles on the way back, and it was just something different, um, just something because the danger of walking sort of for an hour every other day as a kind of an exercise thing, you do fall into a lot of the same walks. So I thought, well, I'll just walk somewhere different, and. It's particularly interesting when you walk around a city, even around places that you know, and I've driven around this area a hell of a lot, but I've never walked through it. And so, and of course, the the walk, when I say of course, you don't, you don't know, but where the Hallamshire Hospital is in Sheffield, which is up near the university, back to Middlewood is just pretty much all residential. Um, and um, Infirmary Road that you, you walk along, um, which is where the tram lines are, is 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 one of those kind of inner city type of roads. It's not the main arterial road for the traffic. It's kind of a road back, um, but it's it's got those kind of little shopping parades that you get, um, you know, in in inner city areas um, as you walked along. And there's there's no doubt a large portion of it is not in the in the greatest of health in terms of its repair. But it's still really interesting what you pass in terms of both the frontages. There was a little bit of a park that I didn't know was there um, near Western Park that that I'd not even considered because it was it's kind of hidden um, that I walked down and through. Um, and then there were just these little these little bits where because what I try and do is I try and if I'm walking sometimes I'm roughly going in the right direction. I'll 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 take a chance and skew off a little bit just to see just to see something a bit different and I skewed off a couple of times and saw different things that I, I wouldn't sort of normally norm expect to see so it was it was a really nice way of spending sort of an hour and a quarter um, that, that I, I kind of hadn't expected because I only made my mind up this morning that that's what I was I was going to do um, in terms of the main purpose of the, the visit my dad's not looking too bad he's uh, had a fairly obviously it's it's a big deal what he's had done 
and he, he certainly uh, looked tired and, and, and looked like he'd been through the mill over the weekend, but there was definitely some signs of of, of improvement today, and certainly in terms of his, his spirit and, and his manner, um, he, he's definitely on the mend, which was, which was really positive. Tuesday. It's the big day for Boris tomorrow as we get the Privileges Committee hearing. And as much as the fact that this committee is going to be a while before it actually releases its findings and its judgment, the the, the televisual bit, uh, the popcorn bit, is going to be um, on Wednesday, uh, going to be tomorrow. Um, and that's the bit where they'll question uh, the former Prime Minister for anything between three to possibly as much as five hours um and of course it'll all be in the the glare of the the media the thing that's slightly concerning about this and and i don't know how well he'll actually do because i don't know how well he'll do with scrutiny for that length of time it doesn't appear to be something he's particularly good at but what's interesting is he's he's ahead of that he's released his uh, his side of events. So what he's going to be relying on um, in terms of evidence, uh, the case uh, for the defence, so to speak, has, has been released, this 50-page document um, that, that's, that sets out why he, he thinks this is a, a sort of a nonsense process. But the interesting thing, apart from the document, I don't think we learned an enormous amount new from the document itself, the interesting thing is that, that this is getting very Trumpian. The the kind of the, the Boris Outriders, the Nadine Dorries and the Jacob Rees-Mogg and the various other people who go into bat for the former Prime Minister are already using phrases like kangaroo court. We're doing that, we're delegitimizing the process in that very Trumpian way um, before we even start so that if they find him to be guilty uh, of misleading Parliament uh, in whichever form, because I think they'll look at a couple. You know, w- w- was it, you know, was it inadvertent? Was it, you know, w- did he did he mean to do it? Did he, wh- whatever the phrases they use, um, they're already undermining that potential verdict. So they can turn around if it if it doesn't exonerate him and say, well, yes, we told you this was happen. This is, you know, I mean, the, the the phrase witch hunt's been heard, which is obviously the phrase that that you know that Trump used a lot in the US and and it's really worrying it's really worrying that we're here with that because this is the only route this isn't a prescribed route um or 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 a, a chosen route to do this thing this is the only route for parliamentary scrutiny about things like this um and there's absolutely no reason um, to worry about this particular process because the one thing we do very well is we do select committees really, really well. They are uh, non-partisan uh, and most of, well, all of the ones I've seen have been very diligently done. Um, and, and you could take the example of the work that Jeremy Hunt did on the Health Select Committee around the, you know, the questioning around um, all matters of the of, of COVID and what have you. It was it was it was nonpartisan. It was it was very well it was very well done. And every time you see these things, I know Vet Cooper's absolutely superb on hers. They are they they're there to do what they're supposed to do, which is to hold the government to account for its actions. And in this particular instance, we hold a politician to account if they've not behaved in the way they should behave. Because the fact of the matter is, if we lose the um, the understanding that parliamentarians tell the truth then our whole system falls down it's broken 
Um, so we have to hang on to that bit because if we allow, we allow things that aren't the truth, particularly if it's knowingly done, um, to creep in, then, then, you know, that system we've got that's not written down just ceases to function. Wednesday. So it's turned out to be quite an interesting day for a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, we've had the Privileges Committee, and that's, uh, that turned out to be a three-hour hearing. And our former Prime Minister looked very uncomfortable um, and certainly didn't want to be in a room having to explain himself. He didn't feel, you got the impression straight away, he didn't feel he needed to be there. And why on earth should he be asked to account for his actions when he was clearly saving the country? Now, irrespective of whether you thought he did or didn't do a good, a good job, and I'd certainly say that a lot of work was done. I might argue that the, some very flawed decisions were made, but I will argue that, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, um, that the duty for that portion of his career did actually rise to the surface. Um, that still doesn't mean that you can't be held accountable for what you're doing in those situations, particularly with a situation you know like the one that's being... Uh, that's being investigated, um, but he looked he looked very uncomfortable, and uh, what he offered in his defence really didn't stack up that much, uh, because he kind of he kind of offered three things in his in his defence really. One, it was vitally important to have gatherings to wish people well, to have these little morale boosting leaving dues or whatever they were, just to thank people on a regular basis for the effort they were putting in. Um, secondly, the place itself, the building itself, the nature of that 18th century townhouse, which he kept referring to, meant that essentially the, the, the guidance fell into that, yes, try to, but if you can't, then do the best you can, which I don't think, well, I just think it's interesting, we'll come back to that in a second. And the third, the third thing was that um, he wasn't being told. That, that, that rules were being broken. Those are the three things he kind of kept coming back to over and over again. And I thought, I don't think any of them, because they were repeated so often, I don't think they hold water uh, the more they're repeated. Um, you know, we would all love to have done things to keep morale up. We did. We did do those things. We did Zoom meetings and Zoom calls and all manner of things to try and keep each other going and quizzes and all manner of things you could do. But we did them in front of computer screens. We didn't. We didn't do them with with glasses of wine, you know, together. Uh, not even in gardens, to be fair. Um, so I don't know if that really works because I think most of the country would have liked to have done things to to boost morale and, and couldn't. Um, the the building's an interesting one in terms of the fact that I get it. I also get that number ten's a symbolic building, but the entire operation could have been run from different buildings. Every business in the country had to adapt and do things in a different way with people not together and all those businesses still survived. Number 10, we're actually no different. There's plenty of, there's, there's plenty of buildings, there's plenty of footprint around Whitehall that won't have been being used, that could have been used. And with a bit more thought, that could have easily been implemented. So I don't know if that necessarily holds water um, anyway. Um Plus the fact that he kept saying, well, if you couldn't do two metres, you could do one metre with mitigations. But what he really meant was, because we couldn't do it, we kind of stopped trying. That's That was the crux of what he was saying, really, was that, yes, 
the rules were, the guidance were, keep a two metre gap, but if you can't do it, kind of do the best you can. And at some point in number 10, it kind of became, well, we can't do it, so let's not worry about it too much, because surely that's the grey area in the rules, which isn't the interpretation everybody else had. And then the final thing was this this whole thing of, well, I wasn't I wasn't being told, I wasn't being informed. But look, if if you sign off on it, if you sign off on it, even if you don't design it, but you sign off on it, and you don't know because you can't be everywhere, you find out. If you're the guy in charge, you find out. You diligently find out. You don't ask people in your employ whether something's gone right or gone wrong. You actually, you actually go and ask the proper people. And you make sure that you know what's going on on your watch. And I didn't get any sense of that as well. I, re- I really didn't. So I don't know how well it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up because I think it exposed a lot of question marks about the the culture of Boris. Boris seems to be a person that's a little bit slipshod, that's not really that bothered about the detail. So therefore, things that were accepted in that particular regime would not have been acceptable for Theresa May or for David Cameron or for whoever. You know, they would have wanted a far greater uh, sort of attention to detail and everything felt a little bit haphazard. And that's probably what's going to come back and bite him. What was interesting was that they broke proceedings a couple of times to go and vote on the Northern Ireland uh, bill, uh, on, on specifically on parts of the Windsor framework, which, which cleared quite comfortably. And two things almost came to an end today. One, the cult of Boris seems to be fracturing. But the cult of Brexit appears to be fracturing as well, because 29 people voted against um, the bill, and the big ERG rump, um, or the big ERG support, is down to a kind of a hard rump now. And they're back to looking like a group of nutters, to be perfectly honest. So it was quite a big day uh, today in terms of how things potentially change and move forward from here, because this is probably the beginning of the end of Boris. And it looks like it's the beginning and the end of that that kind of ERG nutty wing as well. They don't seem to be able to hold the government... Um, to account or hold the government um, to a particular course of action in the way they were, um, which is which is going to be interesting to see how how well in terms of recovering and moving on. Possibly we're not in the same position that the GOP are in the US. Thursday. So I brought my dad home today, and he's going to be with us for three to four weeks don't know yet exactly might be a bit longer might be less we don't know we'll see how the recovery goes um but it's nice to have him out it's nice to have him uh, here um he looks remarkably well bearing in mind what he's he's he's, he's been through and we're now in that process of recovery and adjustment uh, because there's definitely parts of his life that are going to change on the back of the surgeries had and um and obviously because of the nature of the surgery there's a long process of healing so he can't lift his, his movements uh, a little bit restricted though he's moving around quite well uh, we've, we've handled the stairs no problem all those kind of things so um it's but it's just nice it's, it's nice to have him here it's nice it's nice that we're not in there's something about the hospital environment which i don't say it feels more serious because uh, serious is probably the wrong thing but nobody looks as well in hospital as they do when you when you get them out 
they everybody seems to lift when they arrive back in a more domestic location and it was no different from a dad and um and I'm, and yes he's going to be tearing his hair out uh, for different points in time and and there will come a point where he's bored of reading or bored of watching the telly or what have you as it is because you know his recovery is not going to go at the pace um that is in his head um but the fact of the matter is, for today, he was just really, really pleased to be here, and and you know, we, I mean, we've joked that it's a process of weaning because we're on, we're on jelly and ice cream and you know mashed potato for a while, uh, and and he'll get ribbed about that fairly, fairly you know mercilessly as the process is ongoing. But um, but and, and all those kind of things are going to be you know they, they are going to be entertaining, but um, but he's here, uh, and I'd rather see him here than where he was and you know we can we can start all those those little things those processes those building blocks of getting back to normal he's already identified the football match he wants to go to first uh, whether we'll make that or not I don't know uh, and he's set himself a target of going to uh, the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley and whether we'll make that I don't know but they're not bad targets to have so we'll see we'll see what volume of mashed potato has to be consumed before we can get him uh, up the steps of Wembley. Friday. Today was a school day for me. I've been in and out of the high school a couple of times. I went in for a, a, a fairly formal um, piece of governor business this morning. And then I was back in this afternoon because the podcasting club that uh, I've been involved in setting up We've organised for three sets of three three of the budding sets of podcasters to do some recording this afternoon, and I have some quite a lot of equipment here that can be used. So I went in and set up three little recording areas, three little recording uh, impromptu recording studios for these groups who are working on their podcasts, and it was great to give them an hour just to record content. Um, because obviously when you're doing lots in the podcast space, then you have to have the content. And then the, the, the interesting bit comes when you can start to mess about with edit and what it turns into. Uh, and they'll spend some time doing that moving forward. They've got enough resource at school to be able to do quite a lot of editing and then they can be creative about what they've got. But you will, you need some raw content. And today was all about that raw content. So um, the other thing though, because it was, it was a really... It was a really big day. It was one of the charity days, one of the school um, house charity days. And it was Paxman House, which is the house that um, that Josh is involved with. And he'd organised a staff football match. So he'd, he'd organised this five-a-side match um, at lunchtime, which, from what I understand, you know, they were, they were four or five deep round this outdoor five-a-side pitch they've got watching you know watching the the staff play football which so he he came home absolutely buzzing because this thing was really successful i think like most of the school was out watching a load of teachers play play football um but they did it it was for the local food bank and i walked in this morning and the entire um lobby the entrance lobby was just full of food donations which is going to the food bank and then if it's anything like the previous ones, they probably will have raised two to three thousand pounds in the day, which again will go to the, the food bank as well. And um you could tell, I mean it's a non-uniform day, you could tell the kids were all, you know, the students were all absolutely loving the day. I really like the fact that the staff were non-uniform as well. Um so that was so everybody was was involved in the swing of it, everybody was really bought into the whole to the whole thing. And then 
When I got there in the morning, I met a couple of people from the local music hub. And they're the people that come into schools and help do a lot of musical activity in schools. They do less in secondary than they do in primary. But what they'd organised yesterday was something called the Big Sing. And um, they um, they got all the feeder primary schools, so the six feeder primary schools, um, a, a sort of 10, 15 um, children from each one of the feeders came in and they had a, an afternoon of singing and they learned some material and then put on a, a, a performance um, for parents around about four o'clock in the sports hall. So the, the, the school just felt, they just had so much going on um, through the course of the, the day. The whole atmosphere was lifted by the charity day. But then I went and watched, because they, they were recording podcasts around the time that this Sing event was going on. I don't think it was called the Big Sing, I think it was called Let's Sing. Um, I can't think of the Big Sing, might have been better. But um, I was able to go and watch a bit of a bit of this, which included a, a piece that had been written specially. So the, or- the school orchestra were accompanying um, the choirs effectively from the primary schools. And it was great, absolutely great. It was a really lovely thing... Um, to get involved in or not to get involved in but to actually witness and it just made you realize just how much how much positivity and how much goes on and can go on in a school environment so it was it was lovely to have a friday a fr- most of a friday in, in in school and just feel a little bit part of of, of what's going on i'm very proud of uh, of that particular school and 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 particularly you know both students and and the entire staff, teaching staff, sports staff, everything. It's 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 a it's such a positive environment, and uh, it's just a, it's such a joy to go in. Even when some of the things that you have to do as a governor aren't the nicest things to get involved in, it's still it's still a really positive, uplifting experience when you when you go in, and certainly a nice way to finish a a nice way to finish a Friday off. Um, I hope you're well. I hope you've had a good week. Uh, as I say, I'm just about to go and get soaking wet through for a run. I haven't got soaking wet through in a number of ages, but it is teeming it down out there. So I'm going to get very, very wet. Uh, have a nice weekend, and I'll catch up with you next time. If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.